Our Bible reading this morning comes from Psalm 96, reading uh, verses 1 to 13. I'm reading from the easy-to-read version. Sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole world sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord and praise his name. Tell the good news every day about how he saves us. Tell all the nations how wonderful he is. Tell people everywhere about the amazing things he does. The Lord is great and worthy of praise. He is more awesome than any of the gods. All the gods in other nations are nothing but statues, but the Lord made the heavens. He lives in the presence of glory and honour. His temple is a place of power and beauty. Praise the Lord, all people of every nation. Praise the Lord's glory and power. Give the Lord praise worthy of his glory. Come, bring your offerings into his courtyard. Worship the Lord in all his holy beauty. Everyone on earth should tremble before him. Tell the nations that the Lord is king. The world stands firm and cannot be moved. He will judge all people fairly. Let the heavens rejoice and the earth be happy. Let the sea and everything in it shout for joy. Let the fields and everything in them be happy. Let the trees in the forest sing for joy when they see the Lord coming. He is coming to rule the world. He will rule all the nations of the world with justice and fairness. Let's bow in prayer. Let's pray. Lord God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for Psalm 96, this portion of your words. We pray that as we consider it together, uh, it might be for us a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Singing and music are important parts of our life, aren't they? I wonder if you've noticed on TV the various groups that are singing together online, particularly through Zoom. Music actually reflects our mood and it also affects our mood. A happy song can lift our spirits. So if you're feeling the effects of isolation during this coronavirus period, why not try singing? Music is powerful. It can impress our minds. Singing and music have always been part and parcel of the Christian faith. But did you realise that singing is another way to witness for Jesus? As we sing God's praises, we're telling other people about Jesus and the commitment with which we sing actually shows them how important he really is to us. Before my wife Lynn started working from home, sometimes when I went in to see her at her office, I'd find her and another lady there singing as they worked. It's great to hear someone singing while they work, especially when they're singing praise to God. How about you? Do you sing God's praises as you go about your daily activities? You know, God can use that for his glory. Realise it or not, we were actually made to sing. Therefore, we shouldn't be surprised that God has established music as a vital part of his people's worship. The psalmist doesn't leave the matter of music up to our inclinations or our talents. Three times he summons us to sing, sing, sing. 
The singing of a song to the Lord is an old tradition among God's people. At the Red Sea, Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord, Exodus 15, verse 22, sorry, verse 2. The Lord is my strength, he saves me, and I sing songs of praise to him. He is my God and I praise him, he's the God of my ancestors and I honour him. Not only do God's people sing a song to the Lord, he's the reason for their singing. After the singular event of the Exodus, references to a new song are found in a number of places. For example, Psalm 33, verse 3. Sing a new song to him, play it well and sing it loud. Or Psalm 40, verses 2 and 3. He lifted me out of the grave, he lifted me from that muddy place, he picked me up, put me on solid ground and kept my feet from slipping. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see what he did and worship him. They will put their trust in the Lord. Do you see the link here again between singing and witnessing for Jesus? Psalm 96 declares that God's people should forever be singing a new song. The psalm was used to celebrate the bringing up of the ark to Jerusalem, as indicated in 1 Chronicles 16, verse 23 and following. That occasion clearly marked a new thing that the Lord had done, and it merited a new song. When God's people arrived on the other side of the Red Sea, having had their enemies defeated, they sang for the first time what's known as the Song of the Redeemed. And in Revelation, we read that the 144,000 sang a new song. Revelation 14, verse 3. The people sang a new song before the throne and before the four living beings and the elders. The only ones who could learn the new song were the 144,000 who'd been bought from the earth. No one else could learn it. So here in the book of Revelation, at the end of the age, all those who've been redeemed sing this last new song. You see, God continues to perform his great wonders of salvation. And in response, God's people are to continually sing a new song. But singing isn't all that popular these days, is it? I wonder whether it's because we've lost the practice of singing because we don't have anything to sing about. Of course, there are those people who feel that they don't have a talent for singing. But you know what? God actually summons us to sing. And believe it or not, however poor our efforts may sound in our own ears, our singing, especially if we sing heartily, actually glorifies God. It encourages other believers. It strengthens our own souls. And it points unbelievers to our Saviour. Some people, of course, like to sing only songs that they know. But again, the psalmist says that we are to sing a new song. The working of God's grace is always new and always demands a fresh response. We are made to sing. But we're also especially made to sing to the Lord. On the other hand, those people who do have a talent for singing might make a theatrical performance out of their singing. But I want you to notice a key phrase in Psalm 61. These new songs are to be to the Lord, not just about the Lord. There's nothing wrong with singing about the Lord. The Psalms do that all the time. 
But when new songs are being written and composed and sung heartily to the Lord, something's actually happening in the church. It's a sign of unusual life and vibrancy. People aren't just living off the spiritual capital of previous generations. They're dealing vibrantly with the living God and their songs are being sung to him. He's real. He's personal. He's known. He's precious. He's present. Worship is more intense and more personal and more engaging. Look at verses 1 and 2 of Psalm 96. Sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole world sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord and praise his name. Tell the good news every day about how he saves us. God wants the centre of our singing to be the same as the centre of the new song that we'll be singing in the age to come. And that centre is the lamb who was slain. Revelation chapter 5, verses 9 and 10. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were killed and with your blood sacrifice you bought people for God from every tribe, language, race of people and nation. You made them to be a kingdom and to be priests for our God and they will rule on the earth. Now, if the song's to be sung to the Lord... What does that say about the words? Well, the words are going to be directed to God, aren't they? Yet many Christian hymns and songs are about me and how I'm doing or how I'm feeling. But they should be God-focused, God-centred. That's what points other people to him. So why would you begin a psalm with a command to sing a new song? Well, the answer is quite simple. If you're not praising God for who he is and what he's doing in your life right now, then you can't possibly summon others to sing. Verse 11, let the heavens rejoice and the earth be happy. Even nature is being summoned to be glad, and singing is the consummation of that gladness and that rejoicing. This psalm is calling us to passion for God's glory in everything. And through our singing, we're to summon others to join us in giving this glory to God in song. But you can't summon the nations to sing if you're not singing yourself. If you're not wanting to glorify God yourself, then you can't summon others to do that as well. That's what Psalm 96 calls for. When people confess from the depths of their souls that Jesus is the Lord of the universe, they sign up for significance beyond all their dreams. To belong to Jesus is to embrace nations for which he died and over which he rules. Your heart was made for this, and there will always be a serious or mild sickness in your soul until you embrace this great global calling. When you hear good news about a rise in your salary or the birth of a baby or the healing of a sick friend, don't you rejoice greatly at that moment? But eventually life moves on and the good news fades into the background of more current activities. But the good news of the gospel lasts and lasts. The psalmist is instructing us to tell the good news of God's salvation day after day. In other words, don't let a day go by when you don't proclaim to somebody about God's goodness and his works of salvation. Verse 3, tell all the nations how wonderful he is. Tell people everywhere about the amazing things he does. 
Friends, we're talking marvellous works, not boring works, not ordinary works. We've tasted and seen that this God is greater to know than any other greatness. Verse 4, the Lord is great and worthy of praise. Other gods are just godlings, little nothings. Whether you're talking about the God of the knowledge explosion or the God of computer power or the God of I'll do what I want when and how I want, all these gods are little nothings compared to the great God. These godlings may tell you to do what pleases you, but we can't even be really sure that we know what will give us pleasure. One thing's for sure, however, do what you want and ultimately you'll be a miserable person. But the Lord of the covenant, he made the heavens and the earth. And only as you recognise him as the creator of all things will you be able to go through life singing. You see, it all makes sense. God's the creator. He made you to be what you are, so he alone knows what's best for you. Verse 6, he lives in the presence of glory and honour. His temple is a place of power and beauty. We're exhilarated to know him. So we're summoned to sing, sing, sing. Sing to the Lord a new song. Rejoice in the deliverance that has come to you. Sing to him. But it's not for our own enjoyment. We're actually to call the world to sing to him with us. We're made to sing and we're made to sing before the nations. You may think that when discouragement is passed and guilt is relieved and anger is settled and your mouth's full of blessings, the reason for your very existence has been attained. Yes, in one sense you'd be right. There won't be anything greater than blessing the Lord with overflowing praise and gratitude, but there's still something missing. God didn't make his ways known or reveal his glory or display his marvellous works for you and me alone or for our particular ethnic group alone. He did it with a view to the nations, all the nations, not political states, but nations or people groups. Verse 3, tell all the nations how wonderful he is. Tell people everywhere about the amazing things he does. How should we feel about the global purpose of glorifying Jesus Christ among all the nations? We should feel that this is what life, our life, is all about. Many other things are important in life, but this is the largest cause of all. We should feel a passion for the salvation of the nations and a thrill that God rules over all of them. And he calls us to be his witnesses to all of them with the best news in the world that he will have a people of his own from all the nations singing to him and ascribing glory and strength to his son. We were made for this kind of joy. All of the other joys spoken of in the Psalms, all the other emotions in the Psalms, are actually taking us to this point here, that the glory of God is celebrated and sung by all the peoples of the earth. Trace with me for a moment the focus on the nations here in this psalm. The psalmist says that God's people should do at least three things. Firstly, we are to declare God's glory to the nation. We're to declare the truth about God's glory and works and salvation. Verses 2 and 3. 
Sing to the Lord and praise his name. Tell the good news every day about how he saves us. Tell all the nations how wonderful he is. Tell people everywhere about the amazing things he does. And do this among all the peoples, all of them, not just our own. Don't leave any out. We're to declare God's rule over the nations. Verse 10, tell the nations that the Lord is king. Secondly, we're to summon the nations to join in, to join the people of God in ascribing glory to God and in singing praise to him. Verse 7, praise the Lord, all people of every nation. Praise the Lord's glory and power. And verse 1, let the whole world sing to the Lord. So we shouldn't just tell the earth the facts about the greatness and the glory of God. We should encourage them to join us in praising him. We should call for their conversion. All the nations must bow before the one true God of Israel, whom we now know as the Father of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah. But thirdly, we are to warn the nations of judgment. We shouldn't just declare God's glory to the nations and we shouldn't just summon them to join in giving glory to him. Rather, we should warn them that the reason why they must do this is because otherwise they're depending on false gods and judgment is coming. Verse 5, all the gods, in inverted commas, in other nations are nothing but statues, but the Lord made the heavens. Verse 10, tell the nations that the Lord is king. The world stands firm and cannot be moved. He will judge all people fairly. Verse 13, he's coming to rule the world. He will rule all the nations of the world with justice and fairness. In other words, when he says, sing to the Lord all the earth and declare his marvellous works among all the peoples, and he is to be feared above all gods, and tremble before him all the earth, and all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, the psalmist really means all. The God of the Psalms lays claim on the allegiance of every people group, all of them, in all their unimaginable diversity of culture and religion. Don't leave out any nation, any people, any family. All of them must convert to the true and living God and abandon all other gods, the psalm implies. Don't let any unloving trend of multiculturalism make you shrink back from the loving work of calling every people from every nation or any other religion to repent and ascribe all glory to the one and only true and living God. Listen to this quote. It's not from Psalm 96. It is, of course, from the scripture. But see if you can work out where it comes from. So I will give thanks to you among the, na the people of other nations. I will sing praise to your name. And the scriptures say, you people of other nations should be happy together with God's people. The scriptures also say, praise the Lord, all you people of other nations. And all people should praise the Lord. And Isaiah says, someone will come from Jesse's family. He will come to rule over the nations and they will put their hope in him. Do you work out where it comes from? These are quotes from the Psalms, Deuteronomy and Isaiah, and they've all been piled together by the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 15, verses 9 to 12. Paul wants to support the coming of Jesus as the Messiah for all nations. 
We find the context a couple of verses earlier in Romans 15, verses 8 to 10. I tell you that Christ became a servant of the Jews to show that God has done what he promised their great ancestors. Christ also did this so that the non-Jewish people could praise God for the mercy he gives to them. The scriptures say, so I will give thanks to you among the nations, among the people of other nations. I will sing praise to your name. And the scriptures say, and of course Paul goes on to list the Old Testament promises, the promises that summon all the nations to praise God for his mercy. That is, for the work of Jesus on the cross in dying for sinners and making mercy possible for rebel Gentile sinners like us. So what's the situation among the nations today? Well, let me tell you, stunning shifts are taking place as God gathers his people from all the nations and sends his church to all the nations. And if you realise, but Europe and America are no longer the centre of gravity in world Christianity. The centre is actually shifting south and east. Latin America, Africa and Asia are experiencing phenomenal growth and are becoming the great sending churches. You can read about this in Philip Jenkins' books, The Next Christendom and The New Faces of Christianity. Did you realise that evangelical Christianity is actually the fastest growing faith in the world today? It's not Islam. It's not Buddhism. It's evangelical Christianity. Don't be fooled by what we see happening in the West. Start learning what the global situation is. And then dream how, as a goer or a sender, your life might be fully involved in declaring his glory among the nations, his marvellous works among all the peoples. Friends, I just want to simply say this. Don't miss what God's doing. Be a part of it. Get the nations on your heart. Think rightly about God's global purposes. Feel deeply about his marvellous works. Sing with all your heart to the Lord and be a part of summoning the nations to join us. Let's pray. Lord God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you that uh, you have made us to sing. It's something that we tend to lose sight of sometimes, but you have made us to sing. And you've particularly made us to sing to you, to sing to the Lord's. Help us, Lord, to focus our songs on you. Help us to be willing to sing new songs to your praise. And Lord God, we thank you that as we sing songs to you, we are to sing them before the nations so that uh, people of other nations, other ethnic groups, other parts of the world will want to hear about how great you are and want to follow you for themselves. Help us, Lord, to be those who have your praises on our lips day by day, moment by moment. We ask these things for Jesus' sake and in his name. Amen.